When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code POD to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code POD at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code POD. This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. Mic check one, two. <clears throat> Mic check one, two. Hearing all these letters read aloud by damsels not in distress. Host came to impress. Bitch, check your DMs. This is hot off the press. Hi. How was your week? It was good. Um, I've been having really bizarre dreams. One of my dreams is that it's the day after the election. I think that I am getting like scared for the election. I got my absentee ballot, but I'm voting in person with my dad because Pennsylvania, I vote in Pennsylvania. And the other uh, dream that I've been having is that I have this pet tiger and um, the pet tiger, like if we go out, it transforms into a really big dog. So people like don't know that it's my pet tiger. And honestly, it was really cute and like uh, kind of protective of me. And like, he would do this thing in my dream <laughs> where like he would look up at me and like like bite kind of but in the air and we do it to each other and it was cute and yeah now I'm having these ridiculous dreams so go vote everyone and um don't get a pet tiger who wins the election in your dreams not gonna say not gonna say because we don't like the answer I just don't want to jinx anything okay I find your pet tiger dream interesting and I wonder if it has meaning behind it I think I dream the most when I'm sleep deprived Tell me what my dream means. I think we could look it up real quick. I'm Jasmine from Aladdin. Sometimes these things have like symbolic meanings though. You know what I mean? Ooh, here we go. Okay. To see a tiger in your dream represents an aspect of your personality that has unquestioned power. Issues are people that have total power over you. Tigers often symbolize a problem or powerful fear that you'll do absolutely everything to avoid confronting. Negatively, a tiger may reflect an unquestioned fear. Maybe you're fearing the election. Well, speaking of fear, we have an attachment expert on today to talk to us about all kinds of attachments, such as fearful avoidant attachment, anxious attachment, any attachment style you want to know about, he's got the answers. So I have somewhat of an ear for the audio and... I'm not sure if it's going to be the best on today's episode. I think we're going to do everything we can to edit it, to make it listenable. Um, But we're obviously still new. We obviously have restrictions with COVID. We can't be in person with certain people. We have edited this as best we can to give you a quality listening experience. Let's talk to Jason. All right. So we're so excited to welcome Jason Green to the podcast today. Jason is a podcaster, a pretty famous TikToker now, and a researcher on attachment styles. So thank you for joining us, Jason. Thank you for having me. 
Of course. And do you want to just tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into researching attachment styles and how you found your success with TikTok and all those good things? Sure. Um, so I'm not a therapist. I always put that in my TikTok bio because a lot of people think that I am a therapist. Um, I really just, I went through a breakup is really how this kind of came to be. And we were supposed to go to therapy and the relationship ended a week before the therapy. And I still ended up going to the therapy session. And as I described the, um, the therapy, or as I described the relationship, um, the therapist said, hey, it sounds like she is a dismissive avoidant. And I was like, well, what is that? You know, I never heard that word as his words. And so he gave me a really brief explanation. And then I went home and researched it. And then I couldn't believe like how accurate it was as to what was going on with the relationship. I felt like, you know, what all I found on the internet was pretty much telling our last two years. And so, so I just kind of got hooked on that. And I wanted to know like why more people didn't know about that stuff. And so I bought a couple books and read them like the next day. And, you know, and I just really kind of dove deep into it. And I was like, you know, cause it, I, I've been married for 15 years before and have four kids and that relationship ending felt less painful than the two-year relationship with someone who, you know, I didn't have kids with and it was pretty quick and I didn't understand why. But once I read all this stuff, I started to learn her attachment style and it made a lot of sense. But then also, you know, I learned my attachment style and how kind of some of it was great, but some of it isn't great, you know, how it kind of goes against each other. And so I kind of just went from there and then I got on TikTok, you know, or originally actually I met somebody on TikTok through a video um, they, we both had like this omelet that kind of went viral. And so I like made a message to her about it. And then I started listening to her podcast and her co-host has some issues with his father and was talking about relationships. And I had just read the book attached and I said, I messaged her. I was like, Hey, you really should give this to your co-host or tell him about this book. It could really help him out and help his relationships. And she goes, well, why don't you just come on the podcast? And so I was like, okay. And so that's what kind of started. It was kind of accidental. I really had no, I was really just trying to figure out the ex-girlfriend. And then, then I was like, well, let me see what's on there on the TikToks. And so I went on TikTok and there really wasn't a lot on it, you know, and I, and so I was like, well, I'm going to try this. And then, you know, people really were really receptive to it. So just kind of went from there and yeah, it's kind of exploded since then. Awesome. So then your podcast came as a result from your TikTok success? Yes. Cause you know, of course with TikTok, it's only 15 to 60 seconds. And so of course, we're getting a lot of questions. And so I had already had a podcast prior to that kind of practicing. And so I was like, you know, I'm gonna do this podcast to at least spread the information and just kind of see what goes from there. So that's kind of where I'm at. I've only, I'm only like nine episodes in. And right now, I'm just going over bite-sized pieces of attachment styles. And so I'm not sure what I'm going to do after, but, but it has been very receptive. And so, um, so yeah, I just kind of went from there. I was like, well, I'll just kind of see if I can spread the knowledge because I just felt like, you know, there's if I could help somebody, it'd be great. You know, of course, the more I can help, the better. So it's kind of spiraled from there. I think something you said that kind of resonated with me is like having more pain over the shorter relationship than you did over the longer one. And did you like, whenever you were in therapy and kind of exploring that, was it because your attachment styles were so different? Is that why you think you felt so much pain from that other relationship? Well, I had never dated somebody that long that was an avoidant attachment. And so with that attachment, they tend to make a secure, anxious person become more anxious. And I found myself becoming anxious all of a sudden in a relationship. And that's, that was new to me. I'd really never had anxiety issues. All of a sudden, I was worried about every little thing about the relationship, you know. And so now I didn't even become, I wasn't even comfortable to be around her anymore, you know. And it didn't make sense because, like, I loved her, you know. And I was planning on marrying her. So it's like, why is this happening to the woman I love, you know. 
and so and then like I said as I learned about it, I was like okay now this all makes sense you know and you know kind of how they clashed you know and so um, you know then I also could look at her her past and stuff like that and kind of like okay this makes sense you know help me understand her you know more unfortunately it was after the relationship ended but but now I understood like where she was coming from at least and you said you were secure but you kind of turned anxious with her yeah I think I always had a little bit of, so you it's a spectrum so you're not one thing or the other but like it was more secure than any of the other but over time I noticed that I started becoming more and more anxious and I started like pinpointing like okay when did this happen you know and I started noticing the the closer we got, or like I said, I love you first, it seems like things started kind of getting more difficult at that point, you know, and so where she was kind of almost trying to push me away, and, you know, I'm like, no, I'm going to marry you, you know, and so it's like, you know, it was kind of like the more I loved her, the more I tried to show my love, the more she ran away, and so it made no sense, and, you know, like anything, we like for my past failed marriage, I tried to, like, apply what I, you know, failed there to there, and I felt like I tried way harder for that relationship, but it was like, yeah, I was like, I couldn't even go a day without feeling like a failure. And so I was like, this makes no sense, you know, to me. I was like, I know I'm trying hard, so why is this not working, you know? And so, you know, ultimately, I figured it out. And, of course, you know, it's too late. But I was like, okay, now I understand this more. And it helped me appreciate her more, I guess, you know? Because, like I said, we all kind of, we don't all have the same beginnings, you know? And so everything affects you, you know, negative and positive. And some people aren't giving the best start, you know? And so it takes a little hard, it's like harder work you know, to make something that shouldn't be such hard work, you know. I mean, a relationship takes work, but sometimes it's, some people it's going to take a lot more work. Yeah. And how have you been able to apply your work with attachment styles into your own parenting, especially as kids who survived a divorce? Well, you know, it's funny. So there, my, I have four children with, with Max's wife. Um, she's anxious. So I've actually helped her I have anxiety between that. My kids all have a little bit of anxiety, but I have definitely, I only have one that's in a relationship right now. My kids are 17 to 24 years old, but so 24 year olds in a relationship. So she's taking an attachment test. So is her partner, but uh, it helps. I've helped at least help them to understand, I guess, how relationships work with this. Also, you know, things that maybe I could have done better as a parent because it really does affect, you know, every little thing affects them, of course, the divorce and then how those parents react to each other because it's never, Hardly ever is it like, you know, you know, good. There's always a little bit of back and forth between the parents. So, so yeah, unfortunately you can't take that back, but, but you can definitely see like, okay, I can see how that affected them in certain ways, you know? And I think you said something in a previous podcast I was listening the other day about like your parents divorce. So therefore you don't want to divorce, you know? And I was the same way. Like my dad has had three marriages and my mom's had two, but like I tried so hard to keep that relationship going because I was like, I don't want to give up on the marriage, but eventually it was actually better, you know, that we weren't together. So, you know, but you take those with you and you try to make it better for your kids. But reality is we're all human. We're all going to mess up here and there. Right. And I definitely both venture into anxious attachment. Like I think I've talked about on the podcast before, but I'm in my current relationship. I definitely have secure attachment, but I can see all the time how easy it would for me to venture back into anxious attachment territory, given the situation were to arise. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cause it's really about, I mean, you have your own attachment, but it's really a relationship with whoever you're with at that moment. So, you know, if you're with somebody who's really good and secure, then you're probably going to stay secure. But if you have, you know, somebody who's way avoidant, you're going to end up in anxious unless you're both working towards it or if there's therapy involved. Yeah. yeah. And who should avoidance be with? What, like, what, you know what I mean? Because I feel like <laughs> they always find the anxious and it never works. 
because the anxious attachment just does not work for avoidance. I'm guessing they can't be with other avoidance. So have you done any research on that? Yes, and I tell most of the people on TikTok, really they need therapy or at least accept what they do so that they can at least work towards making it better. So if you have, you know, if you're in a relationship, you can at least identify these are my traits. I, you know, I do these things whenever I'm mad at you. And so it's really identifying what a common thing that avoidant does, you know, and trying to minimize that. Also having your partner catch those because if you're not going to work on it, yeah, the relationship's not going to work. Because avoidance, they want their space. They get uncomfortable with like intimacy and closeness. So the closer you get to them, the more they try to run away. And it's not, they're, they're not doing it on purpose. It's subconsciously. It's something that's learned over time. And a lot of it's from their childhood. Maybe they had like a emotionally distant parent, you know, or even like a parent who was maybe going through chemotherapy, wasn't there for the kid. So they couldn't be around them a lot, you know. So it's not always like, you know, so black and white. But, um, but yeah, it really is. The points are the most challenging. And it really is therapy and at least understanding because that's the hardest part is avoidance don't like to talk about feelings you can change your attachment style over time just it takes a little, lot of work but there's been studies that prove that they will get better with the right therapy i don't know if we read the same book i think you said yours was called detached but i definitely read one about kind of like the four main ones and they were saying that like the avoidance kind of get shuffled back into the dating realm a little bit more because they're obviously not attaching but I was curious if you kind of felt like it was a, like, is it our generation that there's more avoidance? Is it because they're getting more shuffled back in? Or why do you think we're seeing so many avoidant attachment styles on the dating apps? And why are they finding me? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, so avoidance represent about 25 to 30% of the population. But by the time you're 29 in the dating world, 50% of that population are avoidance. So you already have a one or two chance of finding one. And of course, that number gets higher. And also, um, I'm not, I don't know the breakdown between men and women, but there are more men avoidant than women. So it's even probably higher than 50% for if you're dating men. Now, they are in and out of relationships so fast because they once the intimacy and closeness happens, that's when they run. And then the way they get over, the way they deal with their grief, as soon as they start having those you know, sad feelings about you, about the loss, they jump into another relationship to forget about that and not deal with it. So, so yeah, they're in and out of there constantly. You know, some of them do get married, but they're usually, they're less satisfied in relationships, but a lot of them are in and out frequently. And that's why you see them where a secure person is about 40, 50% of the population. But once you're 29, they only represent like 15 to 20% because they, they find somebody early and they stay in there, you know, for the most part, you know, but, either in one relationships or, you know, maybe a spouse dies or something. But, and then when they do come back, they don't necessarily date a lot. And sometimes it'll take them years to get back, you know, into a relationship. I know for me, like whenever I'm relationships over with, like I want at least like six months break from anything, you know, so we're like an avoidance, like six weeks is a long time. Yeah. I've been thinking recently about how my um, attachment styles manifest in other ways other than my relationship, because Knock on wood, but my relationship is pretty boring um, in a good way, in a way that we don't yeah. have problems. But I was thinking about how I noticed that my attachment styles manifest like in my friendships also, um, because I was bullied pretty heavily as a kid. And I think that oftentimes I get into anxious attachment style with my friendships. And it was crazy because our last episode, we had um, somebody who specializes in healthy adult and wounded inner child workshops. 
And I realized that so much of my anxious attachment style with friendships came from being a wounded child when I was being bullied. So yeah, I relate to that heavily. And I, I just think it's so interesting in even if you can have a secure attachment in one relationship, but it can differentiate so much into relationships that you have with other people. Yeah, there's definitely some overlap with that. Um, I mean, anxiety, anxious, same thing pretty much. They're, you're probably going to worry more about friendship or saying the wrong thing to the friend, you know, or have to contact them more. Um, but if they're secure, they're like, you know, that's fine if you don't talk to me this month, you know, it's not a big deal. But we're an avoidant once there's space, you know, and they also see sometimes in the workplace of like avoidance don't really like to be in group settings that much. They're more independent, you know, so they, they can kind of come across as like, you know, they don't have any issues and they're just top notch, but deep down there's, you know, some underlying issues, but it does, it definitely does go over into, you know, into relationships other than romance too. And why do you think, I'm sure you get, like, it seems like you're getting a lot of questions on TikTok. I feel like, and especially anxious people kind of mistake these avoidant personalities for like the loves of their lives. Like they're really holding on to this and really trying to keep them there. And why do you think that is? Like even after the relationship I feel like I've had with some avoidant people, I'm still like, well, maybe he'll call, maybe he'll call. And I don't know, I guess, why is it so hard for people to move on and kind of accept that they just weren't the right match with these types of people? Also, who is calling you, Chloe? I'm sure these people. Did I say call? I meant text, but I'm trying to manifest a text. That's something else I learned on TikTok. Anyway. <laughs> so with, with an anxious person, it's really easy for their attachment system to get triggered. And they're very attracted to avoiding. So anxious usually has some type of inconsistency in life growing up. And that's where it kind of comes from. And when avoidant provides that inconsistency. So it, they really trigger your attachment system more than any other type for an anxious person. So that's why, yeah, you're, it takes you longer to get over that person. You're still kind of hoping, you know, and the reality is they probably, they feel relieved at least at first and they moved on, unfortunately, you know, most times, but, but yeah, it's going to hit you more because your attachment system is triggered way more than the normal if you're with a secure person. But so that's what you're used to is inconsistency and that's what they're providing, unfortunately, where if you like dated a secure person, they may come across as boring because they're not activating that attachment system at first. And you might kind of like throw that guy to the side because you're like, oh, he's so boring. And, but he's probably the guy who'll be around, you know, five years from now too. So yeah, and that's the trouble. It's like you kind of get used to a pattern and that's what you're used to. And so therefore it continues unless you're able to break that chain. And how do you break it? Let's <laughs> talk some mechanisms. <laughs> yeah, with that one, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's really, at least in early in a dating time, you really got to determine and you got to really be open. It's hard for an anxious person to be open. So you really got to understand, like, see how intimate they are, close they are, see if they get uncomfortable, see if they get uncomfortable talking about, like, their parents, you know, if they really want to just move away from that conversation, even if the parent's not a good parent. Like, an anxious person will usually talk about it or a secure person. Um, an avoidant will be like, yeah, they're good. They work a lot. Let's talk about something else. You know, they'll move away from it. So, so you kind of, like, uh, it's really, like, just to, you kind of, like, I guess, test them a little bit. Unfortunately, if you're avoiding the avoidant, they will put on their best, you know, show like anything. We always put on our best early in the dating world, but eventually those things will, as you get closer, they'll kind of show those little red flags and it, it is like they want space and things like that. So unfortunately, we'll take a little bit of time to figure those things out. You know, it may take several dates, but, you know, and then if you're not wanting to date say, an anxious person, it's really like, are they always wanting to be around you and they're not giving you space and stuff like that. So. 
it does take a little bit of time, but you can figure it out. The more you learn the attachment styles, the easier it gets. I've learned, I kind of spot it pretty quick on, on a woman now. So it kind of helps me guide myself or like, nope, you know, that's not that's something I want to get in, into anymore, <laughs> you know, or like, okay, you know, that's fine. She's a little anxious, not a big deal, you know? So, you know, cause there are certain things you, you know, you can live with, but certain things are like, okay, I don't want to do that again. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you've been able to crack your code in your own relationships. Yeah, you, well, you know, one of the, I guess, the good things about I teach this is now anybody I've talked to and they ask what I do, you know, it's just, they, they want to do the attachment test. So it's like, I really quickly can find out all the details anyways, you know, so it helps me. But um, so, yeah, I've, I've learned, like the woman I'm talking to right now, so she has a little bit anxious. And so, so like I know, okay, now I know, don't not text her for several hours, you know, like let her, you know, just little things like that. So that her anxious doesn't go up, you know, stuff like that. It's just little things like that. So I do kind of steer myself or, you know, from before her, it's like, I've met people. I'm like, Oh, okay. That's clearly an avoidant. You know, it's unfortunate because these things happened in her childhood, but at the same time, like, I don't know if I want to go through that, you know? So, so it does help you kind of weed out what you're looking for, you know? So it's, it's definitely a time saver for sure. So, and like, I, maybe I don't feel what they want either. So it kind of works both ways. I was wondering a lot of the traits you were talking about, we had um, Matt Pfeiffer on here too, and he's pretty big on TikTok talking about like narcissistic tendencies. And some of yes. the avoidant ones that you're mentioning kind of sound like narcissistic tendencies a little bit. And I was wondering if you saw any like correlations there. So everybody has an attachment style, but not everybody's a narcissist. So a narcissist usually is an insecure attachment style, which would be avoidant or anxious or fearful avoidant so that's the similarities but i feel like narcissism is a whole another level you know but you do have some similarities where like an avoidant usually they usually think highly of themselves but and then you know there, there are anxious there are narcissists who are anxious also but they don't um narcissism is like a whole another a whole another level you know and so but there's some similarities as far as some of the traits but it is definitely a lot I would say like avoidance is kind of like a super watered down narcissist. You know, I don't want to like say they're anywhere near each other, but so there are a few similarities. It's good to know. You're not getting a one-two punch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> That's the interesting part about toxic relationships, which we talk about all the time, is that, I mean, I was talking about how like people who say that they date person over and over again, that you have to evaluate what you're doing the same in all of these relationships too. But it is interesting to think about that maybe they do have similar attachment styles, you know, and that in a way you are making that similar mistake over and over again. Yeah, you're like anxious and avoidance, they attract each other. And because there are so many avoidance, you're going to, it's typically if you're an anxious person, you're going to, you're going to just by the numbers alone, you're going to have two avoidance. You're going to date for every, you know, well, every probably four or five avoidance for every one secure person. And so, yeah, you have this, your brain has been trained, you know, when you're born, you're like 50% of your brain's developed and your parents and caretakers develop that brain good and bad. And so you learn early on, this is kind of what you, you know, go to, unfortunately, whether it's good or bad, and, you know, and you're not going to see it because you're in love or whatever, or attractive, or your friends are probably going to see it, you know, but, you know, it's going to take a while to, to unfortunately break that chain. Well, before we get into letter, I just had like one more kind of general question. Is there anything that you've learned that's kind of been really mind blowing or eye opening for you in the attachment style realm? I feel like, well, one, it just helps 
when I first discovered it, my mind was blown. And that's where I see a lot of people on TikTok is they'll be like, how do you know so much about my relationship? And so I, I think that was my mind blowing experience is like, people think I have all this, like, I just know the relationship. Like, no, I just learned from a bunch of psychologists and I'm giving you in small, you know, packages. But so I think that's just kind of my mind blown was I can't believe how accurate this stuff is and how much it helps, you know, for the future relationships. So that's probably the biggest thing and how much it helps other people. So I know I'm not the only one whose mind was blown, you know, by this information. Yeah, I was curious if you were surprised at all by the amount of response you got on TikTok. Yeah, it is shocking. I mean, it is shocking. So, I mean, TikTok's a whole different thing compared to like Instagram and everything. But yeah, I guess it, I know like when I first, I started doing this, uh, you know, around the beginning of the COVID, uh, you know, lockdown. And I started doing just on my Facebook, just doing stories out of boredom when I was walking, you know, like hiking and stuff. And so I would do that for my friends. And then I started getting, you know, DMs from people I've known most of my life talking about their childhood and things that happened and how they have these struggles and with their husband or their wife. And so I like, I knew I was like, Oh, this is really something that I should share. And so I think it just kind of hits a lot of people, you know, just like with Matt Pfeiffer, like the narcissism, a lot of people dealt with that too. So it's like, it kind of hits people and you know, it's good information, but it's a tool though. So you have to put in the effort once you figure out this stuff, you know, you got to actually do the work. And so that's not a magic pill, but it does help a lot. That's interesting you started at the beginning of quarantine. I hadn't realized that. Yeah, and that's another reason I kind of started too. I was kind of thinking, like I kind of thought about my ex-girlfriend for a little bit. I was like, oh man, like an avoidant being quarantined is the worst case scenario. I was like, they can't get that space. And so, you know, where an anxious person might be like, this is great. I get to be around him or her all day, you know? You know, and the secure person is kind of okay with it either way. So yeah, I was kind of like, you know, I'm going to talk about this because I know there's probably a lot of audience that are going crazy this year <laughs> from this situation. Yeah. You know, TikTok is nice for that. I feel like it's just, I don't know, like, especially during quarantine, you kind of see people going through similar things. And I think with me, like, it's like, I kind of tend to beat myself up if things don't work out, like with someone that I really liked, then you get on there and you see like, everyone's kind of going through the same thing and just figuring it out. And there's all this good advice out there. So I feel like as much as it can be a time suck and has definitely made my attention span worse, TikTok is very nice because we wouldn't have people like you or Matt on the podcast. So yeah, it's very addicting. And it's I like that you can get so much variety. And there's so many great mental health advocates and you know, therapists and psychiatrists on there. So I know I learned from all of them too. Like Matt Pfeiffer is one of the ones that I follow. So yeah. um, it's great to have all that. Plus you can just watch silly, stupid things too on there. But <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of relationships have either been make or break during the pandemic, the person that we are about to hear from has a situation that falls into this category. Dear damsels, I have been dating someone for about seven months now, and our relationship was definitely put into warp speed because of the pandemic. We've quarantined together and have been living together since. I am definitely, I'm not used to spending so much time with one person, and recently I noticed we have very different love languages. When we argue, my partner wants to talk about it right away and make up. I need space and to think about the argument after the fact. They think that I'm ignoring them and breaking up with them, whereas I view them as clingy and needy. I can see how we most likely have different love languages, but how do we argue effectively with different needs and still maintain a healthy relationship? Sincerely, are we not compatible? It's kind of like I was just talking about. So there's this thing called the anxious avoidant trap. And especially with COVID, it's just made things way worse than anything. But I noticed she mentioned, or they mentioned breaking up and ignoring them. The partner was worried about needy and clingy, needing more space. 
So I would say the person they're talking about is probably anxious and they're loving being around them all the time. But the other person probably leans more towards avoidant. They might be secure too. I don't know. Cause like if someone's super anxious, it will drive somebody avoidant even if they're not, but that person wants space and put an avoidance somewhere and they can't get away. They can't get, you know, that little bit of space. And it's unfortunately going to make the avoidant more avoidant and it's going to make the anxious person more anxious. And so, and what that happens is then the anxious person is going to start trying to get with, be more close to avoidant. And it's just going to be a yo-yo effect. And so really with that, it's just, I think that one, they need to have the space. So that person, even if it's simple, I know we can't go half the places depending where you live, but, even if it's like, I need to walk the dog without you, but it's not about you. I just need my space. I really just be open because the anxious person is going to take it offense to it. Like, Oh, you don't want to be around me, you know, or like they made a, they frown and like, Oh, they want to break up with me. You know, sometimes it's simple as that. And so I think it's really getting, letting the anxious person know, like I need my space to make this work. It's not about you. I just, I value my space. And, you know, then also for the anxious person, they really need to understand that it's not personal that they need to have a space. Also, they need to have their own, their own thing anyways. A lot of times the anxious person becomes preoccupied with the relationship and they don't, that's all they focus on. It's like they need to have their own friends. They need to have their own hobbies. Even if it means just going outside. But, you know, so I feel like that's kind of the most important thing is to really do that. And usually with an argument, the avoidant wants to like say their piece and then run away. And the anxious wants to talk about it. And so I really feel like they have to compromise somehow. Like even if it's just like, for the it's, if that person's avoidant, you're like, hey, let me get away. Let me come back in an hour and then we'll discuss it. But let's also not like make this an hour or two hour long discussion. Let's kind of make this, you know, more succinct. And so because the more you talk to an avoidant about feelings and emotions, the more they're going to push away. So you kind of got to be quick, but also maybe not deal with it at that moment when you're in the heat of the moment. So that way you kind of both compromise because you both want total opposite things during an argument. No, I love what you said about how a person can be driven to avoidant because I feel like that's definitely happened to me because I don't think that I am always the best at handling um like very anxious attachment styles um because I think I see so much of myself in them that when I am insecure I think I start to avoid um just like in past relationships when I've seen people who um you know were very anxious I felt like my people used to say that it was partially because um my mom is very much an anxious attachment style and that I had like reserved that place in my life for an anxious attachment person for my mom. And then anybody else who came in, it felt like they were trying to take my mom's spot. That's what my therapist has told me before. But um, no, so I just, I completely agree with that because what I like about what this letter writer is saying is that they're not leaving the relationship, which I feel like an avoidant person might say like, okay, this relationship does not work because this person is so clingy they're still trying to make the relationship work, which does make me think that you're right, that it's probably a secure person who's been driven to avoid it because of, and I think that maybe this person is a normal level of anxious attachment, but like you said, quarantine has driven them to be extra anxious attachment style, which I think, you know, just makes for a difficult combination. But, and I hate to say that I think it's your partner that needs to change because I'm sure that we all need to make adjustments within ourselves. But I feel like having an honest conversation like said with your partner who might be more anxious about having space and doing things separately and I know with COVID it's difficult depending where you are and what your circumstances are if you're even trying to see friends separately so that you get social interaction or having a zoom where the partner isn't involved because I know sometimes like 
when you're interacting with your partner all the time in a social setting, you don't get to have those like, close conversations with your friends, which is why you write to us, you know? So I just think that taking time for yourself and having that honest, transparent conversation and like assuring them that you're not leaving them and that you want this to work out, but you just need a little space, I think would probably help them out a lot. My neighbors, they are actually below me right now. They have the healthiest relationship ever. Um, he's like, you know, sometimes I leave and I'm like, because they've kind of been fast-tracked a little bit with quarantine too. And they're both stuck in this one bedroom apartment. And he's like, sometimes I leave and I'm like, I'm going on a walk. I don't want you to come. I don't know why. It's nothing you did. I just want to be by myself. And he's just like, okay, that's fine. Like, I feel like that communication is so good, but I feel like I've also been triggered into an avoidant attachment style, especially if I'm, you know, talking to a guy and I feel like it's a little bit overkill on the texting sometimes. I've actually had a few experiences like that recently where, you know, I'm working throughout the day and they're kind of texting me multiple times a day. I think what kind of triggers me is when they text me multiple times and I don't respond and it's like, I'm going to respond just like, you know, it's like kind of almost like a reminder text. And I don't know, I guess this is a good question for you. Like, how soon is it to have that talk? Because I'm, you know, in the beginning talking stages of a guy, I don't feel like it's really my responsibility to be like, hey, you kind of are having like a little anxious attachment style with me right now, you know, like, I mean, I guess like, when is it correct to have that talk with your partner? Yeah, so I feel like uh, as far as coming clean, I guess, and being honest, I mean, there's no really exact answer, but you definitely don't want to do it on the first date and say, hey, um, I really need you to do this and do that. I feel like it's probably going to be several dates in, you know, or or you're actually exclusive with that one person. So I don't feel like there's an exact answer, but, but yeah, it's, it's, that's a hard one because it's not, you don't want to, one, you don't want to scare that person off. But at the same time, as an anxious person, it's hard to be open and honest. So, but the quicker you are, the better it is because yeah, it's, it's annoying if someone's texting you several times, you know, per day. So it's like, we all, we have lives, you know? And so you're not the only focus, but if they're anxious, that is their only focus usually. So I do kind of love that though, that you get a text from them and it's like, you've only been talking for a day. I'm sorry. I just feel like our attachment styles don't line up here. <laughs> right. Like I'm kind of like, at that point, it's not really my job to be teaching you this, but yeah. on the other, like the other end of that, I guess I've had a lot of people that, how do I want to put this? I feel like I'm not good at taking a step back sometimes and being like, I do need a little bit of time to process this and let me come back. But then I feel like I've kind of dated people that take a little bit too much time for my liking. So I don't know, how do you kind of communicate through that and kind of come up with a timeline if you do need space that's good for you and your partner? I mean, I feel like it's really when you guys are, when it's getting in more in the serious, I guess mode then that's where it comes when you're spending a lot of time together you know and sometimes that's two weeks sometimes it's two months so I feel like it's when you're pretty much around each other a lot is when that conversation happens because if you don't then two years down the road it's going to be worse if you have that conversation like you know you really annoy me because you you know text me every single hour and I have a job you know so I feel like the sooner the better but yeah that's it's hard to give an exact because you don't want to scare somebody so like I want to be around you 24-7, you know, or I don't want to see you but once a week. <laughs> yeah. And I also do think there's something to be said that the people who are willing to work with your attachment style and sort of meet you halfway there are the people who you may end up having a more successful relationship with. Chloe always tells me I don't talk enough about my relationships. 
I'm going to talk about my relationship. Um, I remember when Brian and I first started dating a few years ago, when he would go out with his friends, I would definitely get into an anxious attachment style if I was not there. He basically would get out with his friends and then stop communicating with me right away, like stop texting me because he was trying to meet his friends and he was out with them, but because we were you know, relatively new into the relationship, and this probably went on for like the first two years of the relationship, um, I would get like really upset that he wasn't talking to me and I would beat that communication. And then once he started to be a little bit better about it, I think I completely stopped caring because he just met me halfway and then I got into secure attachment style. So I do think there's something to be said that if your partner asks something of you and you just make the effort and you try to meet them where they are, that eventually you won't need that type of comfort anymore in the same exact way that you needed it in the beginning of your relationship. Yeah, and if they are willing to compromise, that's usually a good sign that they are yeah. more of a secure attachment. You know, if they're not willing to meet you halfway or whatever, then it's probably somebody you don't want to be with, you know. And so even if it's like that, as simple as like, hey, I'm out with the guys, but well, could you just text me that you're you're having a good time and I'll leave you alone and text me when you're home, you know, and then I'm good. So at least that's halfway because you know, it's 30 seconds that they can take a time out for that. Exactly. Anything else you wanted to add, Jason? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. I will say for anybody who wants to know their attachment style, I don't have it on my website yet, but theattachmentproject.com, they have good attachment tests that will actually give you some explanation, you know, than my TikTok has where I can actually explain a little bit of that. But they're the two best that I think that are out there. They're free and I can spam you or anything, but at least start there. At least you know what your strongest attachment is and then you can work it together or you can figure out what, what to avoid. Yeah. Can you tell everyone where they can find you? Okay, so my podcast is Relationships and Relationships. And then also my website is relationshipsandrelationships.com. Um, on TikTok is where I'm most active. That's Relationship Attachments. And then I just got on Instagram with that. It's Relationship underscore Attachments. I have a bunch of different names. I'm trying to get them all one name. But, um, so that's why I'm, I'm on TikTok pretty much every day. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jason. This has been so great having you. Thank you, guys. Yes, thank you. Well, that was fun. I feel like we've been drilling you guys a lot with attachment stuff recently, but guess what? Don't listen if you don't want to hear it. I'm just kidding. Listen, but. <laughs> but the good news is that we will not be talking about attachment styles next week. No, we will not. And also I kind of want to get more into, um, this is a teaser for an upcoming episode and I need to find the best guest for it, but I'm trying to get more into the astrology realm. If you feel like our episodes have been heavy recently, we're going to be bringing some like lighter fun topics, I would say, wouldn't you? Yes. Yeah. Go vote. Seriously, vote. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, there are so many ways that you can do it. You got to vote. Fill out your ballot letter and then fill out a letter to us. All right. Until next time. Going down in the DMs. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.